from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. We are literally the city and hospital system safety network. And we're amazing people and we're doing it and we're trying it, but that should scare a lot of people in the city that the city government and big hospitals are okay with relying on this ragtag network of people who are very compassionate, but who aren't trained really to be in these positions. I mean, we're begging for someone to intervene. We are burnt out and it's time for the city to step up and pull their weight. They have the money. I'm Sarah Fenske. Despite hundreds of millions of dollars in increased federal funding, city officials in St. Louis again failed to fund a 24-7, no-barrier homeless shelter this winter, a true safe haven to get people out of the cold. Again, despite all that extra federal funding, it's volunteers and private donors who've stepped up. Their pop-up efforts kept people safe as temperatures dropped dangerously low. But the last two remaining temporary shelters have now closed. Bethel Church closed its safe haven pop-up last Tuesday, and a St. Louis University banquet hall that regularly sheltered 70 people nightly closed Saturday. Our producer Kayla Drake was there Saturday. She spoke with a man named Lawrence. He's 54 and said he's been homeless for about a year. He wants to see the city's federal funding used immediately for more shelters like the safe haven. I've learned ways in the streets how to survive and different stuff like that, you know, but that ain't where I want to be. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on, you know, physical and mental, you know what I'm saying? And I need to be somewhere stable. It's just, it's, it's terrible out here, man, for the homeless. You know, you want to count us and get money from the government and all this stuff, but you don't want to count us and take some of that daggone money and help us. You know what I'm saying? Help us, help ourselves. Nobody deserves to be out here in this cold. Like, it's cold and mug out here. And we have to leave here at a certain time. And where are we going to go? Ain't the daytime shelter's going to be full. You know, so we ain't going to have to, we, we got to be outside. That's crazy. I mean, it's something needs to be done right now, right now, today. And it's not just people without housing who are speaking out. Ramona Curtis helped launch Bethel Church's safe haven. She told Kayla Drake that volunteers had been displeased by the city's failure to fund a winter safe haven under Mayor Lida Cruson. But this year, the city designated $43 million in federal stimulus, stimulus funds for homeless services and housing support. She thought things would be different. I thought this year, between the ARPA funding and the new administration, there would be a different approach to how we do this. There was not. The old way didn't work, and we're still using that old way that didn't work. This is not about any individual. This is about the system. The system is broken. If you have $40 million in your coffers, private groups should not have to rely on volunteers and private donations to do this. Now, the city has helped the safe haven efforts by sending donations and caseworkers, but Ramona Curtis said the city's failure to fund a true safe haven has led to serious frustration. We've been told in meetings 
that we have to wait, that things aren't ready, these things take time, there were issues, excuse after excuse. We stopped listening to those excuses and we went into action. And that is Ramona Curtis of Bethel Church. They closed their temporary safe haven shelter last week. And joining us now with the latest on the situation is Alex Cohen. He is a co-founder of Tent Mission and a safe haven volunteer. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, hearing Ramona Curtis speak there, her frustration is so palpable. Do you relate to what she's saying? Yeah, especially the part about thinking that this would be different under the new administration. Um, A lot of us worked really hard uh, to unseat the old mayor because of the issues around this, um, around the unhoused crisis, and also because we believed in Tashara's mission and what she spoke about. We went to her town halls that she invited us to. We hosted debates with mayoral candidates, and Tashara really showed up. And uh, that's just not what we've been seeing since she's been elected. What do you think the problem is? As you say, she really spoke to these issues and, and uh, talked as if she wanted to do things differently than the Cruson administration. Yeah, I do think, like Ramona said as well, a lot of it is systemic. Um, but we're also not seeing that communicated very well from the administration. It doesn't feel like currently we gained an ally, which is unfortunate. The communication is off. It often feels like we're being gaslit, um, like we're told that uh, like what we're saying isn't true and that there isn't this like, hey, let's sit down together. We understand some of this is systemic and out of our control. And we are like we would be like, OK, let's do that. Then let's but let's not do this tit for tat game anymore. And the city hasn't wanted to do that, to have that meeting of the minds. They show up to the Monday calls. We're on these Monday calls with them, but it it never feels cooperative or like we're we're getting transparency from the administration. So you were one of many volunteers who stepped up to try to get people into temporary shelters this winter because there wasn't one big city-funded safe haven. The safe haven at SLU has been a big piece of that in several different locations now. It finally closed Saturday. I understand there's not a plan to open another temporary safe haven at SLU. Correct. Um, We are completely burnt out, Um, you know, just this is one of the hardest years I've ever seen being involved in homeless services in various roles. And and you've pe- been doing this seven years. Yeah. And people have been brought to the breaking point this year. I know outreachers who have been doing this for decades who no longer want to be direct caseworkers. Someone just told me last week who I really look up to as an old caseworker. She told me she's done after this year. Um, people who really got their mental health under control are now having panic attacks again, are dealing with severe anxiety and mental health issues. I mean, this is one of the worst years I've seen it. So this is such a hard job in and of itself. What has made this year worse than other years? Why are people at that breaking point? I think it's just, you know, COVID getting to the point it is where it's dragging on and people being put under extreme condition, but also just I think people having hope for what was to come and then being in the exact same spot as we were last year and in many cases with less resources and less support than we had previously. So you were there on Saturday. Um, The homeless shelter there that had been uh, just cobbled together in a banquet hall at SLU, the plan was to close it at noon. It was very cold Saturday, I believe 20 degrees at that point. What happened at noon? So at noon, um, 
you know, we didn't really have it in us to just kick people out at a hard time. And many residents were starting to help. And it became clear that we had nowhere to send people. Um, this was the vulnerability of the system of not having a 24-7 safe haven. And the warming bus didn't start till 530. So guests kind of hung out, helped us clean up with us pretty much until the very end. There were residents there, which was at 7 p.m. when we were um, cleaning up the shelter. And we finally just had to lock the doors because we were done cleaning. They were just staying as long as they could just to stay out of that cold. Yeah. And so then what happened? I mean, at some point you had to lock those doors. Yeah. So some people went to the warming pods. Some people wanted to just go to a winter outreach shelter and start getting in line at 1 p.m. because they knew if they went to the warming bus, there would not be enough shelter uh, enough shelter for them. So they wanted just to go to a winter outreach shelter and start waiting in 20 degree weather for hours to try and get a place inside that night. And unfortunately, um, our, wor- our worst fears did come true. Um, the warming bus on Saturday could not place 17 people into shelter. Winter Outreach, one of the volunteer shelters, one of the non-city funded shelters, had up to 45 people with a capacity of 35 and had to finally say, we cannot take more people. And so those 17 people had to get off the warming bus and stay in the park all night. And the warming bus left and did not offer shelter overnight for those people they couldn't place and just took off at about 7.50. So that warming bus, this is a city thing that sort of takes people around, tries to get them into somewhere at night. They couldn't find anywhere to take these people. Do we know if they survived the night? Um, I didn't hear of anything the past weekend. Um, I know Winter Outreach was out, which is another amazing volunteer network, and responded immediately when they heard that the warming bus was leaving those people that they couldn't place in shelter and was able to bring them warm food and supplies and kind of stay with them for at least the beginning of the night. Okay, so that's a tough night to be outside. You know, we had mentioned that Bethel Church had this temporary safe haven. They had been running. They closed that last Tuesday. Ramona Curtis described to our producer, Kayla Drake, What happened there on the last day it closed? Many of those people are chronically unhoused and they slipped away quietly. They're used to shelters closing. They had been preparing for it all week. Um, This being my first experience, I was surprised how quietly they just slipped away. You know, they did what we asked them to do. They went and they became invisible. Because that is what we as a society want and expect from unhoused people, to be invisible. And that is Ramona Curtis of Bethel Church. It's it's hard to hear her say those words. They also feel true. Um, what's going through your mind as you're thinking about where things stand right now in St. Louis? Yeah, um... We're in a crisis. I mean, since they closed Larry Rice's, we need a 24-hour safe haven. I mean, the community, the advocacy community, the service provider community, unhoused residents have made it, like, clear for six years now that that, that's what we need. And really, that is, like, a basic service that any city, if you ask me, is responsible to provide. And that is 24-7 a place where anyone who is unhoused or experiencing homelessness can walk up and seek services and shelter. It is not a radical demand. It is an extremely basic service any city government should provide. And we've now gone to administrations that have yet to do it. And it is taking an extreme toll on a uh, on the community, you know, those in the streets and those that are trying to support them. And I I don't think people understand, like, 
the level that we go through as we try to open these safe havens. It's, it's the most at need part of the community that we take in because we don't ban people. It's people in acute mental health crisis, people that have been banned from city-run shelters because banned people still die of hypothermia. And so we take all of those people in. In a lot of cases, we don't have proper training. We don't have this. And we are literally the city and hospital system safety network. And we're amazing people and we're doing it and we're trying it. But that should scare a lot of people in the city that the city government and big hospitals are okay with relying on this ragtag network of people who are very compassionate, but who aren't trained really to be in these positions. Yeah, I mean, as you say, this has been the situation now for some years, Um, you know, since the city, you know, using lawsuits, basically forced the closure of New Life Evangelical Center. That was Larry Rice's shelter there. And the idea was they wanted people to be transitioning into housing. And, And you're saying there's people who maybe that's not realistic for them. They just need their needs met. Yeah, and the two aren't mutually exclusive, right? And so people, in order to get people permanent housing, you have to keep them alive through extreme conditions such as weather and substance use crisis and things like that. And so the two aren't mutually exclusive, long-term care, systemic change, permanent housing, and emergency 24-7 safe haven. They should work together and not against each other. So I do want to um, correct something where I misspoke. Ramona Curtis, who worked with that uh, pop-up at, at Bethel Church, she does not represent Bethel Church. She's with Unhoused STL, which worked to open that there. And I, I do want to clarify for misspeaking there. We do know that five people froze to death last winter. St. Louis Public Radio Shayla Farzan had reported that last year. Are you worried that this year, once we finally get a full accounting of what's happened, we could find ourselves in the same boat? Yeah, and we've already had one person die this year um, from hypothermia. And yeah, I think we still have the long of winter ahead of us, the network of people who open these safe havens don't have the capacity to do another one. And so we're pleading with the city. We put out a tent mission and called it, or a statement at tent mission and a call to action calling on the administration to finally step up and create the beds that we've been asking for because we can't do it anymore. I mean, we're begging for someone to intervene. We are burnt out and it's time for the city to step up and pull their weight. So you want the city to step up and take care of what you feel is a crisis situation right now, looking ahead to next year, do you have any hope that we're not going to be in the same situation come November when the weather starts getting terrible all over again? I do because of the community of outreach and service providers who even in the spring and fall and summer spend every week on phone calls, which we did after last winter leading up to this winter, trying to hash out plans for what a safe haven could look like, what respite care can look like, what a hotel safe haven can look like. And I know that we'll keep showing up and trying to do that and presenting solutions and options to the city. And um, they have the money. And so hopefully... (laughs) One time they'll put it in the right place. So you are now, I don't know, maybe like the third or fourth person we've had to come on in recent months to talk about this issue. Do you think the fact that you guys are are now out here just really hitting this publicly, has this gotten their attention? I think so. And I think previously sometimes service provider and the St. Louis Continuum of Care and this this community and the outreachers aren't totally unified. And one thing I want to make clear, which is super amazing, we are so unified this year. you know, we want a safe haven. Groups are working together to get this done, to not go after the same funding source. And so uh, we're really unified. People are willing to speak out and people are willing to kind of finally see some things come to fruition. And I think the fact that we're together 
is uh, very promising. Okay. Well, I'm glad you feel that hope there. You did mention the St. Louis Continuum of Care. Um, This organization basically represents this whole giant group of all these different homeless service providers in the region who've all been working so hard to try to keep people safe. And if you want to donate to their efforts, they have worked so hard this winter, they continue to work. There's a donation link on their Facebook page, Continuum of Care STL. You can look that up and give. Alex Cohen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And Alex is a co-founder of Tent Mission as well as a Safe Haven volunteer. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.